Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Fightful friends and family, and welcome to a WrestleMania edition of Fightful Roundtable. I'm your host, Shaq, but you don't come for me. I'm like the waiter at the restaurant. You're here for that specially curated platter, the best in the business. Honestly, some of my favorite people to chop it up with week to week. It's not Steve. Don't worry, you're on the right track, but it sure as hell is worried there. I thought that was a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure right there. Oh my God. I'm like, I you mean, know he brought on. You you had me rearrange my whole graphics just to accommodate for the uh, for the left. Accommodate right your wants and needs, Steve. <laughs> I thought I sent you my writer over my green names, please, sir. Guys, it's so nice to have you. This is honestly some of my favorite people to do this show with. Right to left, you know who it is. Tempest from Russell Talk. We've got Steve. We've got Larson from the Going In Raw podcast. Gentlemen, I guess start with Tempest. Uh, how is life treating you across the seas? Very well. Very well, in fact. I'm excited for a, a nice, fun weekend of, of wrestling content. I've moved since the last time that we would have spoke. And I'm here in the UK. What's not to love? I have a job on the other side of the world and just living every day with a smile on my face. I'm the best dude. Uh, Larson, are you handling the rain better than uh, your buddy is? <laughs> no, but it rains too much. And so I got to keep constant wash to make sure this, my sandbag wall out here is getting compromised by the maelstrom that's pounding Northern California area, area currently. So if anything, I'm more anxious in club weather than Steve is. Rain is sandbagging you, man. <laughs> <laughs> da da dut. 
<laughs> I, I, rain, yes. I just keep for some reason getting the same YouTube short on my feed of Ryback tossing CM Punk straight onto concrete. Uh, I, maybe it's because I've watched it so many times through that it thinks it's all I care about. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but sorry, Punk. Uh, we, we will get to CM Punk, but guys, it is the time of the year that sort of brings the entire wrestling sphere together. WrestleMania 39 touching down in Los Angeles, of course. That means we've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT. We also have the Ring of Honor card and all the other sort of going-ons that happen during this time of year. Let's start with WrestleMania 39. It's an interesting situation because in the months leading up to it, as someone who has the joy of covering SmackDown without having to cover Raw, I kind of got a nice bite-sized two hours of some of the best WWE programming in recent memory. Man, expectations and enthusiasm was so high going into WrestleMania 39 because of everything going on with the bloodline predominantly. But as we get there, um, I'd be honest if I wouldn't say that the enthusiasm is waning so much as I feel like my eyes have opened more week to week to how high the highs are and how meh a lot of the other stuff is. So... I would like to sort of break down um, WrestleMania 39. Let's start here. I think obviously we're all going to kind of have some of the same highlights for the matches we're most excited for. Let's do it like this. What I would like first from everyone, and we'll start with Tempest. What is the feud or the storyline going into WrestleMania 39 that to you is just the most lackluster right now and that you were expecting more from? Oh, man. I mean, one that I've been expecting more from would probably have to be Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I think coming out of the Royal Rumble, where a lot of people expected Charlotte to focus, or expected Rhea Ripley, excuse me, to focus on Bianca Belair, there needed to kind of be that reason narratively for her to go after Charlotte Flair instead. And it absolutely existed. They had the the position to go and and really dig from their past history from WrestleMania 36 and tie that all into a really good storyline heading into WrestleMania. And granted, there's still one SmackDown left to go, but I feel like I've been waiting for like two months just to hear the promo from Rhea Ripley talk about how you know, it's all been very surface level to this point. Charlotte's this 14-time champion. Rhea wants to beat her venture loss, but I've been waiting for her to really get into the the real crux of what Lugach like meant to her and say, yeah, Charlotte, you beat me. And yeah, I've won the Royal Rumble and I've been the Raw Women's Champion since then. I won that title at WrestleMania, but losing to you really did put a hit on my confidence. It made me have this downward spiral. I lost my momentum, X, Y, Z, and I can do all these things and cross all these things off of my bucket list, but until I beat you and redeem myself that loss, I won't feel satisfied. And I just haven't gotten that. And I feel like that's kind of what's been missing from particularly the women's championship matches on this show. I really think Charlotte and Rhea has been lacking in that regard. It's going to be a great match, I feel. But the storyline has really been lacking to me. It's also one thing that really sort of stuck with me after Charlotte and I did an interview recently, but before, um, sorry, we did an interview um, where she kind of talked about how much she's here for the fans this time and kind of wants her flowers and wants to sort of soak in the limelight and soak in the moment. And then we go to last week's SmackDown and it was a very 
heel-ish promo. At the same time, Rhea's in the Judgment Day, but I think a lot of fans want her to win. And I'm okay with having sort of blurred lines, but I just feel like there's sort of a lack of direction for both of them. There's the motivation component, and then I also don't know how to sympathize or hate either of them right now because it, it, it it's very ambiguous what their motivations and their goals are into it. Steve, what do you think? I think there's been way too much talking. It's bizarre to me that for everything Rhea Ripley is, she shouldn't be out there just with a microphone. I'm not saying she's a bad promo, but like, why are they just they're talking a lot? Rhea Ripley should be exposing Charlotte for what Rhea Ripley does best, and that's just wreck things, right? And so instead of just coming out there and explaining stuff or talking, like none of that should be happening. She should be like just wrecking Charlotte on her in her spare time. Mm-hmm. And then Charlotte has to prove then that she can get past that and prove herself in the ring, which is her thing, right? And so that one, and, and when you said which one was lackluster, Tempest easily stole my answer and I think Larson's answer as well, because you're absolutely right. This this feud has been been pretty tepid. Like there's been nothing going on except for a lot of talking. And there was one moment, one moment, two moments, two moments in the feud. And one was Dominic. When Dominic looks at Charlotte and says, you should smile more. That whole bit, really, really good. But it didn't have much to do with Rhea Ripley. Yeah. And then the other moment was last week when they had the big pull apart and they got that great shot of Rhea Ripley doing like the devil face, right? And that in cap that should have been the entirety of the feud. That like pull apart brawl, it should have just been chaos up until now because Charlotte Charlotte's thing is in the ring. It's not the chaos outside the ring. But if you remember in 2019, the go home segment was the chaos outside the ring. It was uh, 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 Charlotte, Becky, and Rhonda all being arrested and them going nuts backstage, like kicking through windows and stuff. And that there should have been an element of that to this feud for the past two months. Rhea's thing is I'm inevitable. I'm going to get that probably night in event or whatever it's going to be. I get the title shot guaranteed because I won the rumble. Now you have to deal with me torturing you until we get to that moment and will Charlotte break or not. Mm-hmm. And so the entire time has just been a lot of talking. And I don't, I, I think that wasn't, playing to the strength of what this could be larson yeah um yeah uh, 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 agree completely i will mention this too that uh on uh, over on raw it is the word i would use for the feud between bianca and oscar too at least charlotte and Rhea have some history pull from they're certainly not even bothering with the history that oscar and uh, bianca had uh, just a few months back, um, th- this whole story is, is Oscar going to miss Bianca before WrestleMania? That's kind of the extent of the story. And, and the lack of any sort of build um, is, is really just been tepid. That's the word you could use. I mean, they had to insert Chelsea and, and, and Carmella into this feud to get some heat because they seemingly didn't know who was going to be the heel going into the Mania match. Mm-hmm. But now that that part of the feud has passed, it's just Oscar shows up have some of the blue come out of her mouth, and then we're supposed to be weirded out by it, and that's it. I just there's like there's basically no story there. No, and there's so much more you could have done. Like you know, I had someone email me and say, "Surely Oscar's going to win the title, right?" Because you've kind of gone through this like undefeated run, and I'm like, I'm not really so sure because of how mismanaged Oscar's return has been. Like I think you'd really have to sort of build her as a killer. And to this point, like you said, it's just Oscar with face paint and acting kind of weird. Um, for mine, those are both very good answers. 
This one sort of irks me on a personal level, and it's John Cena versus Austin Theory for the United States title. Now, I understand that there are limitations based on John Cena's availability, and it's hard for Theory to sort of, especially being a relative newcomer to the WWE, I mean, compared to, I don't know, let's say Bailey in a similar position if Trish and Lita weren't on television every week. Um, he has to do a lot of the heavy lifting. What really bothers me is how surface level the feud has been. Because if you talk to Theory or if you've watched Theory talk about John Cena, him and I did an interview, and it's something he's talked to a lot of people about. Dude, John Cena is Austin Theory's role model. He, he, to the point where he told me that in the absence of a father growing up, he looked to John Cena and shaped his life and his career around John Cena. Why is that story not being told? Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Wow. He he predicted, I mean, I don't know how in the know he was, but we did an interview, God, like 10 months ago, and he predicted that this match was going to happen. There is so much you could pull from this, and it's just been such a surface-level feud. I don't understand what is stopping this from being more than it is and i can't imagine you're gonna have theory go over clean on john cena based on what this build has been had you lean more into the stuff that i talk about this could have been a crowning moment for the guy and i just feel like we're gonna look back on it as a sure the match may be good but in terms of how we got there i think we're gonna look back on it as a wasted opportunity so It'll be interesting if this actual Austin theory at all, because I, I do think he's going to beat Cena. I think he's going to pr- maybe beat him clean. I don't know. He's a bad guy. He cheats. Um, but uh, no, that, that is, that's actually a really interesting point. I think you probably could have given Austin theory a lot more ammunition. I suspect maybe coming into it, understanding, okay, John be here for one big promo uh, and that's going to kick this off and Austin theory is going to have to do the rest of it. I want maybe that idea that you're talking about had it been discussed might've been a little too ambitious for one promo that Cena could be there for. And so instead they went a bit more general and there are obvious parallels between the two of them. And so the, uh, Cena gave him the old you're me prior to the doc economics. Good luck getting out of that because you haven't shown anybody that you can. And, uh, and then, but the problem is like, they didn't really run with the concept of, character and identity in pro wrestling. It's a really meta thing in the first place for Cena to bring that up because it's like, oh, what's your character going to be? Wait a second. We're in a story, right? Or what do you mean? What's my character? I am who I am. Um, But for theory, you know, I thought they had like a hint of something good when theory was using Cena's moves against some of his opponents after the fact, but even that they seemed to drop a little bit. So, and then the empty arena promo last night was awful. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly I, I don't know. Like yeah, that is that's been one that I've I really enjoyed that opening promo, and I've just forgotten completely about it because we just know that Cena can't be there. So whatever, this match is going to happen, and maybe they'll figure out something to do with Austin Theory after the match. Yeah, and uh, I, I I just think maybe with a little more commitment, they could have told sort of a sanitized WWE version of the MJF CM Punk story. Um, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. that Cena's busy and you, you, you're sort of limited in what you can do. And I know that there's value in sort of limiting the exposure for some of these top guys, but like you're on the final raw of WrestleMania, not so much as a Cena video, 
Thought theory wasn't even in the building. Yeah. You know, you just do the back, the empty arena thing. <laughs> Roman Reigns is nowhere to be seen. Like what? Uh, how how is this sort of the raw go home show? Um, but you know, yeah, yeah. Steve and I spent like a good what hour making those points in our raw recap today. It's like. <laughs> You know, uh, where is everyone? Initially, here's some inside baseball. Initially, we had the title and thumbnail. Steve had the title and thumbnail <laughs> difference. That was like lame WrestleMania before or, before WrestleMania. And then some people in, in the waiting room in our chat was like, I didn't think it was so bad. <laughs> and I was like, I'm here to get views, not to piss people off. So I, I made it a bit more diplomatic, but our review was still very honest about it. Yeah. You're right. Like, no, Roman. Uh, you know, it even felt like Cody's, like, solo Sokoa's first universe loss was like kind of an afterthought like oh cody beat him not surprised about that because it's cody but like that should be kind of a bigger totally deal. so when they mentioned that on the broadcast i'm like oh i had no clue that solo was undefeated and that would have actually made the match so much more compelling if you just ran with that one little extra tidbit of information like the way they sort of in a similar vein to how they sort of did the tail of the tape with um, Omos and Brock Lesnar. I think mm-hmm. you could have done something similar about two undefeated superstars in this sort of current iteration going up against each other in the main event. I think that would have been a great selling point. Um, mm-hmm. But guys, let's not just harp on WWE because there's stuff to look at. Um, before we finish up this WrestleMania 39 portion with uh, what we're most excited about, let's talk about the storylines going in that we didn't expect to be as good as they are. Steve, I'm going to start with you on this one. What has kind of caught you off guard and been a sleeper? Hit? Dom Mysterio is my MVP for the year. Oh my God. The turnaround we've had where this was a guy who I used to just refer to as a black hole of charisma. A- everyone in this community hated the guy. <laughs> I love him. And I thought his promo on Raw was terrific. If you heard the crowd explode on SmackDown when Ray knocked him, Oh my God. When he called his mom, when he told his mom to shut up and he called his sister <laughs> stupid, everything about this, I didn't realize it was going to be as good as it has been. And it's been very simple. It's been very simple, but Dom has been so effective. Ray as the father who let's face it, Dom has made some really good points mm-hmm. against, um, not having a response to all that beyond, Hey, it's wrestling. You got to do what you got to do. I try to give you the good things in life, but that meant I couldn't be around. I'm shocked they haven't mentioned the fact that he put his custody on the line in a ladder match, <laughs> um, which seems to be like a big deal. But, you know, just last night when he said, you know, I wish you never existed and I was Eddie's son. Um, dude, it's been really phenomenal stuff. And it has been an absolute highlight for me personally watching Raw every week and SmackDown every week. I- I've really loved it. Larson? Oh, yeah. It's been it's been the 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 80 that that Steve and I have done on Don Mysterio has been something else. Um it you know when he was was boring baby face uh tag team partner to ray we were hoping you know if 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 he's gonna go places you gotta give him something interesting to do turn him heel turn him heel and i know ray was saying in the press i don't want to wrestle my son i don't want to feud with him this is the best thing that could have happened to dom and he's taking an opportunity and, he, and week in and week out he's hitting home runs with home runs with it um you know and and each week he's getting a little something new and each week he's getting more and more heat with the crowd. Um, yeah, right now, as far as as far as I'm concerned, this is a story heading into WrestleMania. <laughs> um, this is the one I'm most invested in, and I never would have imagined that a year ago. Yeah, same. Never uh, would have imagined that. Tempest, are you going to be running ringside with Legado del Fantasma 
uh, come WrestleMania <laughs> weekend. <laughs> I just might be. Because, I mean, yeah, and whenever I've discussed this week about the WrestleMania stories leading in where obviously the bloodline stuff has gotten a lot of the attention and then there's been a lot of other things that have been a lot more lackluster. There has been like a few little nuggets that have slipped in there that have been kind of under the radar being one of the highlights of the WrestleMania and the Mysterio's feud has been the one that I have spoken about the most in that regard. I also want to give a nice shout out to uh, the triple threat IC title match with Gunther, oh. Drew, and Sheamus. They've done such good work doing some subtle stuff and some not-so-subtle stuff in recent weeks where, again, the, there's been no need to do anything more with Gunther as Intercontinental Champion besides just have him continue to be himself and having great matches on TV because that alone is going to sell him as champion. He's already been arguably the best champion that the IC titles ever had. And if not, definitely the last of like the last 20 years or so. So that alone will sell that aspect of the match, but they've done such a better job this time around subtly building the Seamus Drew McIntyre tension than they did two years ago when they were just friends on TV all of a sudden one week and everyone was waiting for the turn to happen without much rhyme or reason as to when it was going to happen. It just kind of happened one day. Sheamus just turned on him, and they had a really good match out of it. And it was one of the situations where, you know, you kind of forget about the build as long as the match really good. But this time, there's been a lot more subtle personal quips between the two. And that, to me, has made it so much more interesting and wondering what the dynamics are actually going to be heading into the match. Whether it be it coming out of the Royal Rumble and them basically being a team during the match and both getting eliminated at the same time. Or all the stuff we've seen since with Sheamus really taking the Intercontinental Championship challenge really to heart and not being like, no, that is my goal. How dare you have the same goal as me? There's been a lot to like in that feud, and I think it might end up being the best match of the whole weekend. That's very possible. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. It's, it's going to slap. Um... Hey, guys. Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I saw a video he made, and I was shocked. He is in his 80s, still kicking butt, working out, staying active. He looks like he's got more energy, can work out longer, even has plenty of that energy left over for his grandkids, and he did this by making one change. He said that he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife even started doing this thing, too. She's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger, her body looks leaner, has energy all day, and Chuck's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their health. Staying active is important. Moving around keeps you feeling good. Making sure that you take care of your gut health, your digestion, just overall, is also very important. Right now, you can go to mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Watch Chuck's video right now. That's mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Check out what Chuck Norris has to say. What's got him feeling so good these days? He explains everything, and you won't believe how simple it is. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done the it's it's funny because the three of you uh, you know i i cover mma i cover entertainment and so in many ways you three 
and all, all the guests we have are sort of the experts I lean on to help get me through this show. And I remember one of the early themes I kind of clued in on when I started doing it. And shout out to Will Washington, who was like particularly on the F Dominic Mysterio bandwagon. And, and no one seemed to like the guy. They're like, we've given him enough chances. We want him out of here. And if you ask WWE superstars, they've been very sympathetic to like, look, you just, you got to give someone time to grow. It's a point that Jade Cargill has made. It's like all of my matches are on TV and you do not know how many matches the Brian Danielsons of the world have had on independent circuits off TV to where by the time they get there, um, to the big stage, they are maybe they're not a finished product, but they have done most of the work. With Dominic, you know, he wasn't given much to work with beyond I am Rey Mysterio's son. And now we've seen what happens when we actually give you a character that you can do something with. And so I think it's a credit to Dominic Mysterio and the team around him because I know Judgment Day has been very mindful of taking care of him and helping him come along. But I think it's also a reminder to us to think about what it is that isn't working and how much of it is the performer's fault, how much of it is maybe creative's fault, and also, are we being patient enough with the talent on the roster? Because I think to dismiss Dominic Mysterio's, he should be out of the WWE, he's only here because of his dad. Okay, yes, he's here because of his dad, but he is beginning to stand on his own, and... You, you mentioned, Steve, I was laughing because when I think about the Rhea-Charlotte feud, my the best part of it was that one time Dominic Mysterio was in the ring. That was the absolute mm-hmm. highlight yeah. of that feud. So shout out to Dominic. I know it makes the roster happy to see how well he's doing. Um, what what it, It's almost a shame that um, the Hall of Fame is before WrestleMania. Like, does Dominic break character? Like, what do you guys think is going to happen that night? No, I think he might attack Conan. (laughs) Yeah, I think he might. Conan no shorter interview, so that's he can. I think he's gonna go crazy. I do. I think I was Larson and I were kind of speculating on the show that like, what if Ray accepts the match because Dominic interrupts the Hall of Fame ceremony? Mm -hmm. Like, what if they actually use the Hall of Fame ceremony to to advance a storyline? And, uh, but you know, they didn't do that obviously, but no, there's no way he's breaking character for that. Not a chance. It must be so gratifying for Ray as well to like, you know, you want to give your kids these sort of opportunities. And I can imagine he, I'm sure he's not online this much, but you can, he's a pro. He can get the sense that, you know, his son was sort of middling as a WWE superstar, to see to hear that reaction when he socked Dominic mm-hmm. on SmackDown must have been so gratifying mm-hmm. for him as a dad to say, "Hey, look, like we are gonna put on one of the most exciting matches of the night, and you are, I'd say, pulling the lion's share of the weight going into it." So that must be really nice for him. I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Oh, um, guys, in the chat, if you have any questions, feel free to leave a super chat, a dollar, a thousand. I got my preference, but it is all good. We will get to it on the tail end of the show. Um, before we move on to AEW, guys, because I know we're going long on WrestleMania, but it is the granddaddy of them all. At this moment right now, you know, some five days away, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, yeah, four or five days away, what are you most excited about? What, above all else, are you hyped for? Um, I'll be honest, like, 
I, I wrote about this during my SmackDown review last week, but the stuff with Cody and Roman and the bloodline has been so good and so interesting and so compelling. Now that we're seeing all the loose threads sort of tie together, it's hard to keep up that steam because we know we know where we're headed. Um, that being said, Larson, is, is one of those matches still on the top of your list? Um, I don't know if it's so much a match, but just to see, you mentioned the bloodline stuff and, and, and so much of it was so good for so long, but to a certain degree, I feel like kind of the emotional crescendo, the emotional high point of it was probably elimination chamber. And since then, it seems to have been streamlined to focus more on Cody. There moments they've had some of the same complexity from, in terms of the characters along the way, but most of that has kind of been simplified to heading into Romania, save for one relationship still and that's jay and roman we saw in smackdown where there's a obvious tension there and there's still uh, uh a lot of resentment within jay perhaps even than ever towards roman and i'm really excited to see how that plays out not just in the tag title match but also in the main event is it going to be absolutely overbooked is jay going to either try to or successfully be the one to cost roman that title um like at this juncture right now, in this whole bloodline saga, Jay is the character who I'm still the most interested in because I hope he gets his opportunity at redemption and finding himself again after Roman is taking everything from him. Um, and I hope we get that first step in that at WrestleMania. And that's probably what I'm looking forward to most. I, I would imagine, if not at WrestleMania, at Raw by the latest. Like they've, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's time to pull the trigger on that. Tempest? The cage. The original Hell in a Cell cage that's not red is back. That is very high on my list. I'm not. I'm not joking. But no, I think ultimately the the grand picture of what happens with Cody and the Bloodline and how it happens and that whole package, and that's not even taking into account like the actual spectacle of WrestleMania and that match in particular and the amount, the sheer amount of pyro that Cody is no doubt going to get. For that match, there's a lot of those type of things that are just, you know, minor little bits in the grand scheme of things that I'm really looking forward to. But at the end of the day, that is the storyline that I am most investing into WrestleMania. And again, whether whether Cody just beats him clean or whether it is kind of like that young bucks on the outside during the hangman and Omega match at full gear where they kind of like give the nod or have a little subtle moment. If Jay does something like that to walk away from Roman or not help him or not give him the chair when the ref's down, something like that, that moment will be the bit of the whole show that pops me the most, just like it was when it was the Sami Zayn at the end of the Royal Rumble moments. I'm looking forward to that huge emotional storyline moment at WrestleMania. Steve. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, it's hard to give a different answer. But I mean, the one thing that I've come to realize since Triple H took over is that he really does seem to pride himself in how he books the finishes to big matches and and the story in big matches like that. We all kind of understood what was going to happen at the Royal Rumble. We figured that would be where, you know, Sammy ends up, you know, either getting jumped out of the bloodline or he would make a decision or whatever. We all knew what was going to happen. And but to actually see it go down and to see how wonderfully it was executed from a production standpoint, from a performance standpoint, um, it was really it's it's something else to behold. It really is. And and this is, you know, for all we know, this could be and I think he understands this, too. This could be Triple H's lone WrestleMania that he gets to book. And I have no doubt that they are spending maybe all the time that they should have been spending on Raw 
maybe they're spending that time booking just <laughs> the the best story beat in the history of wrestling for the the finish to that Cody Roman match, and maybe spending a lot of that time on the Usos and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as well, because I think that's going to be an integral point um, to the story leading into night two. But uh, but to see how it all plays out, we're all going to be on pins and needles um, to see, and it's going to be overbooked because that's sort of Triple H's things well, and. But that's how, I mean, dude, that's what we grew up watching, you know, when you're our age anyways, uh, was all those wonderful overbooked. If you look at when Mankind won the title, mm-hmm. half the roster was out there. Like mm-hmm. everybody was involved in that moment. And guess what? It probably got the biggest pop in WWE history. Mm-hmm. Um, so really looking forward to, to that as well. Same so answer. I, I can safely assume that no one has the absolute wrong, terrible opinion that Roman should go over on Sunday, right? No, nope. I don't think so. Don't do it, guys. I don't see it happening, but you never know. It's just, I just, you know, I was talking to my colleague, Brent Brokhouse over at CBS Sports. It's like, where do you go from here if Roman does go over? And also, what better opportunity are you going to have in the next six months to take the title off him? Like, we, we didn't do it with Sammy because it was sort of a circumstance of time. Um if Cody doesn't go over, like, I don't, what's next? Who, who's going to benefit well, I from think, it in a way? I'll be can. honest. So yeah. Lars and I have talked about this. Tell me. Tell I me. like a part of me does think that the more intriguing story idea is if Jay tries to shoot the devil in the back and misses, if Jay plays his hand, if he's pissed off because he lost the tag titles and he's like, this does nothing for me. And maybe, in, you know, early on night two, Roman treats him like shit or something. And he's like, okay, so that's how it's going to be. If JH tries to screw over Roman and Roman still wins, I think that sets up a lot of intriguing story ideas. And there's always somebody else. You got Seth Rollins out there. He could easily be the guy at SummerSlam that takes it off Roman. I think there's actually a few people who could be the guy coming up. I think this probably Cody made no sense because it is the big moment and it is WrestleMania and it got a sale on the horizon. You got TV ratings that you probably need for a deal. Um, so it probably is the moment from, from a storyline perspective, the idea of Jay trying to screw over Roman and failing at WrestleMania. That's some pretty good drama right there. Okay. I don't yeah. necessarily yeah, disagree it, with that. You know, like the only other option, if Cody isn't the one I think that would be narratively fulfilling would be Jay. It's just to me, how far down the road are you able to do that? Is that the match that we then get at like a SummerSlam, for example? And even still with reports of like Roman taking time off after WrestleMania, I don't know that after this much time, I'm really up for an extended period of an absentee champion Mm -hmm. after WrestleMania. I do just kind of feel like now is the right time to have a fresh coat of paint on the whole main event scene in WWE, but narratively they do have those options. You know, I was watching. So I mentioned the other day on the show, WWE put out this great, like two hour, almost two hour long video where it's every bloodline segment that there have been. And the one thing that I think a lot of people don't sort of recognize or haven't really talked about was because the entirety of Jay and Roman's feud started or was what took place during thunderdome era we were robbed of what could have been a much bigger moment for jay uso Mm -hmm. like all that stuff that crowd would have been so firmly behind him he might have gotten that Sami Zayn boost that we got Mm -hmm. over the past year when that stuff was going down because if you go back and watch that i i strongly encourage anybody walking into wrestlemania about to watch wrestlemania this weekend 
to go back and watch that. It's just, I mean, it's been all over my recommends. It's just, you know, a full bloodline story, whatever. And, uh, and if you watch at just how great the performances were and how they were meant for a live crowd, they, that, that would have been almost transcended. That would have been the kind of thing that people talk about with Sami Zayn, but it would have been Jey Uso in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some of the, uh, uh, anger that was out there for a spell about Sammy being the one to beat Roman. Maybe stem from the idea that at least someone involved in this storyline, yeah. the Bloodline saga should be the one, not someone from outside of it, mm-hmm. which I understand. But if you look at the overall arc of the Bloodline story, it's not Sammy, it's Jay. Jay's the one from anybody within the Bloodline to top a role, and it's Jay to do it. Um, and as much as I'd love to see Jay get that opportunity at, say, SummerSlam, I don't I'm doubtful WB would be willing to elevate Jay to that position. Yeah. Um, you know, the crowd's insanely behind Cody. Mm-hmm. He sells a ton of merch. Mm-hmm. There's like apparently 9,000 people at a house show that he was headlining, which is a ton of people for a house show. <laughs> um, if they think they can build around Cody in the near future, maybe, in, you know, for the next five, six years. I, um, if it makes all the sense in the world business-wise, then, I, then you have to do it. Yeah. Well, and business-wise, you know, we talk a lot about sort of the payoff of this feud and how that um, is, is sort of unanimously what we're most excited for. I can't help but wonder, you know, ever since Cody went back to WWE, it was sort of the first sign of, hey, look, this this door swings both ways. It's not just people from WWE going to AEW. Now here's an example of AEW stars going to WWE. And it was imperative that WWE show that this is a place where top AEW talent can be treated well. And for Cody to come off of a debut at WrestleMania, a re- sort of a return at WrestleMania 38, one year later becoming the undisputed champion, especially at a time where, you know, AEW sort of dealing with their growing pains and has sort of lost a bit of that honeymoon phase that carried them over the first couple of years. Man, I, I wonder what sort of impact this is going to have sort of behind the scenes in terms of sort of swaying more talent to make that jump over. Um, on that note, oh, also, since I got so caught up in the Mysterio thing, I do want to give a shout out to Brock Lesnar versus Omos. It was really stupid when it was announced, but... Again, shout out to Brett Brookhouse at CBS Sports. There's something amusing and entertaining about just having two enormous giants just wolf on each other for six minutes. It's a bit of a throwback. And honestly, the match that Omos and Braun Strowman had at, I think it was Crown Jewel, surprisingly mm. fun. Surprisingly fun. So I'm, it's, it, I've come around on that one. Yeah, I'm not hating on that match. I want to yeah. see Brock Lesnar pick a dude up that's 400 pounds. I think that'd be awesome. I, I want to see Brock run the ropes more. We haven't seen him do that in years. <laughs> that's you know? my takeaway yeah. from yeah. that. I love seeing Brock Lesnar move his ass because yeah. we haven't yeah. gotten to see that enough the last five years. <laughs> Two people I want to see run ropes at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar and Uncle Howdy. <laughs> and Uncle, I want to see Uncle Howdy run more ropes. Well, speaking of people you want to see, uh, Tuesdays are Sean Ross Sapp's day off, so you're not going to see him on this podcast except – or when he drops in an ad read that uh, the panel and I cannot hear, but I'm sure you guys can. So we'll be back in like 30 seconds. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. How about this? 30-day money-back guarantee. Four months free. Watch your favorite shows abroad, whether you're traveling or you're at home and you want to watch something from overseas. Access this on all of your devices, phone, laptop, desktop, PC, tablet, doesn't matter. Three great tiers, 
a pass, a locker, a VPN, or all three. Block annoying pop-up ads, block malware, block online trackers. Keep your data safe. Browse anonymously. Browse securely with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Shield your data from snoops and criminals. You know I'm a snoop. I'm not a criminal, but I am a snoop. So unless you want me getting your scoops, get NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Secure all of your devices. Check it out. It's a great deal. How can you afford to miss this? You're going to end up saving money with NordVPN.com slash Fightful and having a better browsing experience. Shout out to SRS and NordVPN as always. Um, now, someone who... I mean, forget about internet security. They might just want to get off the internet for a little bit. Um, any sort of enthusiasm that fans or hope that fans had that maybe, you know, time heals all wounds and we could see CM Punk back in AEW and based on the events that happen at the now infamous brawl out, there's some good stories to be told. Uh, I would, I guess, like to start with a little rating, guys. Tell me how, on a scale of 1 to 10, where your, like, confidence level was at that CM Punk would eventually return to AEW last week and where is it at after basically <laughs> everyone went on social media and just aired dirty laundry out on one another? We'll start with Larson. Uh, bef- I mean, we- Steve and I did a predictions video beginning of the year. And that predictions video, I predicted that we will see CM Punk wrestle again. And I thought it would probably be AEW because as, as bad as the relationship is with, with-, with Punk and AEW, there's a just relationship with WB pretty lousy too. So at the beginning of the year, I've been like seven and a half, maybe seven. Now, uh, I don't know what what's what's a really huge negative number. Um, <laughs> anything less than zero at this point, I would say, is an accurate description. Uh, he's not coming back to AEW, at least not anytime soon. If if time heals all wounds, we're gonna need uh, maybe another seven years for Puck to be out for for these wounds. It seems like it just seems like anytime there's an opportunity for something to work itself out, something else happens, guys. And then Punk responds. It's it is. And this is not exclusively directed at Punk. I, I I don't want it to sound that way, guys. It's not that hard to not share your thoughts via message. I get that, like, you know, we're in a live setting here. You have a compulsion you don't think through. You have the time to type, think it, type it, read it, consider it, and then post it. And that was not 140 characters or less. That was a long statement. If you're going to tweet and delete something... Maybe just don't write it in the first place or write it and then erase it. Use it as a sort of like a therapy exercise. It just blows mm. my mind that there's such little self-control. I expect this from people with like nothing to lose, anonymously posting crap on the internet. When there's so much at stake, professionally, passion-wise, how can you not restrain yourself from airing this sort of stuff out in this format? It just it totally blows me away um numbers i'll 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 play play devil's advocate or at least offer up a point of view because look i agree with larson whatever just negative number that's the chance of him coming back and 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 honestly i think it's a shame that communication in in AEW seems to be so lacking that Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like he can go to tony khan and say hey can we like start clamping down on this or can we like talk about how this is looking for me, for the company. If I do come back, how is this going to affect things? Instead, he feels the need to go on Instagram, post them, and then delete it. Now, 
here's my own my only comment on that is I agree with what you're saying, Shaq, but not having walked the shoes of a guy like CM Punk, mm-hmm. who's every move for like a decade now has been put under a microscope mm-hmm. and analyzed and reanalyzed and picked apart. I have no idea what it's like to be in those shoes. And yeah, you'd love to think, man, can't you? I'd love to think I have restraint, but like, man, you know, we get, dude, you know, we get comments on our YouTube, you know, uh, in our YouTube videos and people say, ah, oh, you're, you're trash, whatever. And it's like, those are the ones, it's not the ones saying, oh man, this is really funny, Steve, your impressions are great. It's not those ones that I respond to. It's the ones that are being shitty because it's like, man, fuck you. Oh shoot! Sorry, I don't know. I'm, it's sorry. Sean, guys. It's Sean Ross Sapp. He's just like okay. So I, did, I, was, I forgot where I was. <laughs> Dong, um, Come on, come on. But Drop from another that one. Drop point another of view, and I know he's got a lot to fucking lose, right? <laughs> so, so I, I just—it's hard to say that not. And yeah, it's like you're foolish for doing that. But at the same time, this dude has walked, and and maybe yeah, he's been shooting himself in the, in the foot the entire time, but. That's got to be really difficult to have your life just picked. And there's, here's another thing. Part of his mystique is kind of the shoot style thing. Oh, you know, yeah. that's what, that's what, that's the pipe bomb was a True shoot too, style yeah. promo. People are used to him shooting, you know, speaking off, you know, off the cuff. It's worked in his favor. Yeah. It has in the past. So maybe that's just that outlook on things. I don't know. Yeah. It, this is a really difficult situation, I think, for, for for punk fans, because like I, I would certainly consider myself one at least at least at one point. It's more difficult now, but I think for a lot of people, his behavior now is not super dissimilar from what it was before when he went on Cole Cabana's podcast and did his tell all thing with WWE. But I think there was certainly a narrative at the time where because of what WWE had done, their side of things, it kind of made him a bit of a martyr in that sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas now with a different company that people might be more inclined to try and back them because AEW is, you know, the more popular company of a certain fan base, that now his same behavior isn't looked at with quite the same viewpoint as it once did. But he's still the same guy. He's still kind of behaving the same way. And yeah, I mean, I, I do go with what with what Steve is kind of saying here, where, you know, CM Punk has always kind of been this guy. He is, you know, he's a punk rock kid from Chicago who has had a very difficult time over the last 10 years, whether it be with, you know, his passion in WWE and everything that happened there and that whole situation and the the mass amount of scrutiny he faced in the seven years since then. It is difficult. And yeah, you would hope somebody would take a second and not post that message and, you know, do the more mature thing. But again, there's a whole lot of things that go into something like this that make that, you know, decision much more complicated than it, it is from the outside looking in. It's difficult. I understand people who are upset. I don't think he's coming back at this point either. I a week ago, I think I would have put it at like a seven every Wednesday. I'm just like, yeah, oh, maybe seven this was my be... answer as well. Yeah, you know. Tempest but no, are you, no, are you joining the crew under zero. on the under zero bandwagon here? <laughs> yeah, absolute zero, minus five stars, whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Rough. 
<laughs> all right well guys uh as uh, steve speaking of responding to him on the podcast if someone calls me a buzzkill let's let's uh, invigorate them with some positivity new day style yeah. Yeah. um aew coming out of the last pay-per-view it's feeling like they're getting a little back on track um i guess the way i want to frame this question is what was your impression of AEW at its absolute highest point in your mind as a consumer? Um, and where is it at now after the last couple of months? We'll open the floor. Whoever wants to take this one. Oh. Um, my, my impression of AEW when it's at its peak is you can count on quality matches. And they were really good at telling stories about people's interpersonal relationships. Mm. The tension, how well people got along, whether they didn't. It, it, of course, like the elite was kind of the highlight of all that because they have such rich history together. But when AEW was really working on all cylinders, they were finding ways to mine that other stories. Steve and I always like to talk about this bit when Darby had his first TNT title run. When he was about to lose to Miro and he shoots a look at Sting. Sting looks back at him and is like, well, it just is what it is, kid. This is what happens. Darby takes that L. You get little moments like that about people not necessarily larger than life characters but people that felt genuine um when they got away from that it felt like the stories were just there to motivate matches and not much more else not much else now it feels like they're kind of getting back around to that not coincidentally they're focusing stories around the elite again mm-hmm. um you know i think when when they approach stories especially between characters who have a lot of history together there's a lot they can mine. And if they focus on their interpersonal dealings, good stuff could arrive from that. Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen indications they might be coming back around. I'm excited to see where this Blackpool Comp Club elite Dark Order thing's going, because I really don't know, especially whatever Don Callis is up now. Um, and I haven't really felt that way about an AEW storyline in quite a while. So hopefully they're starting to get things back on track. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead, Tempest. No, no. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Tempest, go ahead, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to echo a lot of uh, a lot of Larson's points there. Where at its peak, I think AEW did the best that I've seen in a very long time of giving me the little just morsel storylines each week that give you enough to satisfy you, but also keep you coming back the next week and i think obviously like the elite storyline was the best example of that but to me it also was very much a case and i picture this more as kind of like the the summer of 2021 to about full gear is about where i consider their their peak in terms of quality to be but it felt like everyone on the roster had something going on that was in some way interesting that I wanted to know what was happening the following week, whether that be you know the elite stuff or whether that be all the way down to like Dante Martin and what he was doing with team Taz and Leo rush. And every week there was something for each of these stories to go to the next week and keep that intrigue alive. And then somewhere along the way, we kind of lost a lot of that. A lot of the matches just kind of felt like they were happening. Some of these storylines just went on way too fucking long, whether it was the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Blackpool Combat Club or whatever it wants to be. But there were loads of examples of just like 
this isn't carrying the same interest that I once had in it just because things were going on too long or there wasn't enough for the whole roster to mix things up or whatnot. But at its peak, I think it was one of the best instances top to bottom on a full show of doing that week to week. Yeah, I mean, sort of to encapsulate, I think a little bit of what both Larson and Tempest are saying, for me it was AEW was all the times WWE had dropped the ball and we had all fantasy booked out cooler shit. Mm -hmm. That was what AEW actually gave you is like the cooler shit. You know, it's like it when they brought in uh, uh, Adam Cole, it was like, oh, wait a second. I know we didn't get this, but at the time it felt like, oh, we're going to get the elite versus the undisputed era. That's something really cool. We get the elite, or we get the undisputed era, but in a main, you know, in, in a, in a main roster environment. It was everything that WWE, that Vince McMahon had sort of refused to do because of his Vince McMahonisms. That Tony Khan, as a fan of wrestling, was like, "No, I'm gonna, we're gonna do these things right." Um, and what I was curious about at the time when it was at its peak, and, and Tempest mentioned the time frame, which mm -hmm. I agree with. At the time, I thought to myself, "How was this gonna look a couple of years from now?" Because booking 52 weeks of television is something that Vince McMahon knows how to do and knows to do. But like, I don't know that just a fan of wrestling, which Tony Khan was and with a lot of money is going to know how to do that week to week and keep it compelling. And honestly, some of what's plagued AEW has felt like, well, he sort of ran out of that steam. He ran out of new signees, which always generates interest. And he ran out of, well, time maybe, to book this stuff the way it was back then. And I don't know if that's the case or not. I know there's been some criticism levied at him because he sort of refused to have, to have like a showrunner or a proper mm -hmm. booker or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, that's probably, there's probably something valid. And we have to remember, he also has two other like full-time basic jobs, you mm -hmm. know, running full MFC and running uh, the Jaguars analytics, I think. Um, so it's like, I don't know how often the guy sleeps but there's a long period of AEW now when it feels like he probably should just hire somebody to under that understands how to do compelling week to week. But as Larson said, I think that they are starting to come around. There are some ideas that they've got right now that are generating more interest with me. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, there, there, there's a number of things. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, Larson. When they brought Double J in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. there could be something there, though. It's I, I had always made. It was a half joke that when Cody left, things started going bad for AEW. And if you remember, whenever we'd see Cody, he was always right next to Tony Khan at whatever the go position, gorilla, whatever you want to call it. Um, he was always right there. I had always wondered, does, because Cody grew up understanding telev televised wrestling, was he a heavy helping hand just navigating that creative thing? And once he was gone, was it difficult to, you know, you didn't have that person, Tony didn't have that person to lean on. That is my pure speculation. I have no idea if that's the case. It kind of lines up and I'd like to say it as a joke, but I kind of feel like there may be some validity there to that. I don't know. Yeah. There, there are a number of other like things that I want to throw into this pot as well, because I think, a big portion of why the company kind of suffered last year was a everybody got hurt. 
Mm-hmm. And you could never book a story long term when all of a sudden Brian Danielson's out and Punk's out and then Kenny Omega's out and then there's suspensions and everybody's gone. And there was a lot messing with the creative process at that point. But I do think as well, part of people's enjoyment of AEW and just the optics of things. Were, and when you say what was my perception or, or whatnot mm-hmm. of AEW at its peak is that it was the most positive wrestling company it was the babyface company giving fans what they wanted whereas last year from all out onward and even just a couple weeks before all out with the hangman page punk stuff all of a sudden this company was just miss there was always a backstage fight <laughs> yes there was always yes. a report okay. about someone calling someone a name or jericho calling punk a cancer or someone whatever it may be endless stuff like that just bringing down the vibe of what was a very positive show and i think that plays a big role dude in it. that's exact so I, I i was gonna backtrack for one second just to say you know I know I harped on CM Punk a bit, and that was sort of the focus in the in the news cycle lens. But like CM Punk is far from the sole guilty party here. Jericho said things online. People talk backstage to you know reporters and people in the media. And to your point, it's like this shoot environment that can be really fun and compelling for a hardcore fan base. I don't know how much it's going to translate to the wider audience, but it needs to be better controlled. If you're going to start saying something off the cuff about someone online or in the ring without conveying it to them in advance, like you're going to run into problems and there's too much. It is, I think a lot of this is the growing pains of a company that got too big too fast. There is no infrastructure um, for Tony Khan to deal with this stuff by himself if that's the case ring of honor the the incorporation of ring of honor was just painful to sit through i'm glad that they've got their own thing going now Supercard is going to be awesome but there's so uh, so many free agents that tony khan took up it's just way too much for a young company to handle and there aren't there at the time at least there weren't enough sort of structures in place and checks and balances to give the roster a healthy balance a a healthy means of sort of getting the most out of things creatively without rubbing each other wrong like where's Andrade been because of all this right Mm -hmm. um it's it's unfortunate to see I'm glad I do think Jeff Jarrett plays a role I'm really glad to see more structure I'm glad to see that there's more direction and I'm hoping that these are you know I talked to Chris Jericho actually for ET Canada a couple weeks ago and he said like there are growing pains and it's to be expected when you have a primarily young roster who hasn't been in this situation before and you've got a new uh a new leader in tony khan entering the space like this is stuff that you're only going to figure out through the pain of it all so i think we are at a turning point i think it is going to last am i the only one here who's a bit of a who's like never really off the dark order bandwagon i know that the gimmick has its limitations but i think alex and uh, uh, sylvan reynolds are so good in between the ropes i think uno and Stu grayson are so good in between the ropes and no matter how eh the storylines and their booking can be from time to time and, and and the sort of limitations of the gimmick when they're in a match especially when they've got that hangman uh sort of collaboration going i can't help but root for them they make such fun underdog baby faces i i hope that they don't get sort of tossed to the side too much in this whole like stable fact stable wars that we got going on 
Oh, totally. absolutely, man. Like I, I was probably the the most disappointed I've been uh, with like a, an AEW story when Hangman Page as AEW World Champion didn't involve the Dark Order hardly at all after the Danielson feud. I wanted that whole relationship circle that he had with them compared to the elite to be kind of the the continuation of his character because that was what got him to to full gear was having these friends who were very much not toxic and everything they were great characters to compliment him as a top guy and then they all just kind of disappear and i don't know why that was because they're all great wrestlers i love silver and reynolds and Stu grayson being back now i think it's just going to help with even more of those combinations and different matches but yeah, they're all great. I like this side of Evil Uno, him mm-hmm. taking the shirt off and bleeding under his mask. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. I think I think that's the kind of stuff they need. I've I've never been like huge on the Dark Order because I just think that like being overtly comical and on the losing end of things just isn't a recipe for anybody that I want to see because they're just not that compelling. But if they can get them to a point where they're actually picking up wins, and they're doing cool things. I'll be totally on board with that stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah, it, it is a bummer that Dark Order wasn't involved more in Hangman's title reign, but how much that is, is you could attribute to maybe Tony Kong no real plans for what to do with <laughs> champion Hangman after he yeah. told the whole two-year-plus story with him becoming champion. That's kind of um, a part of it, too. I know I'm nitpicking, but can we drop Blackpool from Combat Club? William William Regal isn't there anymore. <laughs> I, Combat well, Club. Well, Mox said in this podcast he's building the him for the the Combat Club in his his basement. So, um, yeah, I guess you could rename it then. Um, Combat Dungeon. I will. You, you know, to, to to end on this uh, nice note, uh, someone in the in the live chat was asking, "Do we think that AEW will be bigger and stronger in the next four years?" I'm gonna say, oh, oh, Larson, Larson. They cringed up a bit. All right, let's start with you, man. What's happening? Is is the water leaking in the in the office? What's going on? Let me check. Do I have a? No, all good. Light drizzle. No flooding on the patio. No, I mean, if we've learned anything over the last year, I feel like the world of professional wrestling. If you want to get people to watch your show, you got to tell interesting stories. Yes. You see how well the bloodline story has been going. You see the ratings go up. It's after Triple H took over creative. He's got the goodwill with the fan base. Whether the stories overall are more interesting under Vince or not, that's up for debate, but there's more logic behind the stories, and there's not like the endless Kafka-esque rematch scenario going on there. So if AEW wants to grow, focus has to be put on telling interesting stories on a consistent basis and having six-month cycles of doing good stuff and then having an eight-month drought. Um and, you know, I understand that you could probably count on one hand the number of stories that have been as good as a Bloodline one or even the Hangman Elite story. Um, but you got to put the focus on developing interesting characters, telling interesting stories. If they can't do that on a consistent basis, they're going to have a hard time growing their fan base. Tempest. Yeah. That's why I made the face. That's it. That's it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I think, I think, you know, when you see weird decisions like you know, even though there might be a little bit of a turnaround right now, you've got Keith Lee tag teaming with Dustin on like dark and elevation. And it's like, wait a second, you got hit with a concrete cinder block or with a cinder by, by swerve. You got stomped on. Why are you in a tag team right now? Like there are certain things like that, that I'm still like, why is this not a priority feud Mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. Um, So 
you know, if, if that, if it is inconsistent like that going forward, they're not going to grow. And if they don't grow, they're going to do the other thing. And so I think they'll be around in four years, whether or not they're going to be, you know, on uh, whatever the spike TV of now is, uh, or if they're going to be, because, you know, honestly, they still do good numbers. Like their pay-per-view still do really good numbers. Mm -hmm. I think it would take a lot for them to disappear within four years. Um, but, uh, either, either they'll, they'll be able to grow or they'll, th there's going to be attrition there. There's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be chipped away at, and, and it's entirely up to, like Larson said, the stories, that's the thing. Even before CM Punk was there, the ratings were pretty decent because they were telling stories that people cared about. And, uh, and I think that was one of the major reasons for their dip recently is because people haven't really been given much of a reason to tune in. To, to let alone like dynamite, but like rampage on a Friday when like nothing happens. Like, why would I tune into that when like I'm barely tuning in to dynamite because you haven't given me a reason this past Wednesday? Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned yeah, Spike I'm... TV, and I just hear that dude from Mansers yelling at my face like full. <laughs> <laughs> Tempest, take us home, man. Yeah, I I have to kind of echo echo what uh, Stephen Larson of been saying you know it, it takes consistent good tv to promote growth uh for a company like this and consistently good tv is going to be you know good characters character development long-running stories that build interest and keep people's interest in that regard and i don't really see a world well i would love to be wrong in this but you know seeing where the company was at like all out 2021 and that would you know, that night, the interest and excitement ding AEW on that night, going into that show, coming out of that show, I don't necessarily think we're likely to see them hit that peak again in the next four years, because it would take a lot. It would take you, you can only really play the the CM Punk heroic return card that one time, you know, and those are really big moments that build a lot of interest in one big boom and you're not going to have those kind of moments you're not going to have you know brian danielson and adam cole showing up at the end of your pay-per-view in one big go again you might have other really big moments and i would expect them to at certain points but i think a lot of their big cards have been played to this point and from this point onward it will be a case of growth over a longer period of time as a result of very well told long-term stories and it is just kind of a matter of whether they're going to be able to tell those stories because i've seen a lot of people who have theorized that tony khan kind of had like the first two or three years of AEW booking kind of planned out with the elite mm -hmm. storyline and various <clears throat> other bits and then it has kind of struggled since then uh, i'm not going to get into the whole thing because of course you know there were injuries and stuff that made things more difficult but i do think if you have a few years of the kind of stories that we saw in its first two or three years of AEW's life, then I might start to be swayed in that opinion, but I kind of need to see that in order for that to happen. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be optimistic. You know, if impact has survived this long, uh, maybe, 
maybe uh, what we got going on is a sign of things to come. Uh, <laughs> hey, they did sell out their their pay per view or some sort go. of taping there the other go. day. Okay. I saw they had a pretty mm-hmm. decent audience. Just, but, just don't yeah. hire Hulk Hogan; you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, guys, that's all the time we have today. Um, I want to leave you guys the last word. I'll do my part very quickly, guys. Thanks so much for watching the video. If you're still here, give Fightful some love. They let me come here every month and do this. Uh, I will be flying out to L.A. tomorrow for WrestleMania 39 weeks. So please, if you haven't already, Shaq Wrestling, S-H-A-K Wrestling on YouTube. It's where you'll find all my interviews. Going to try and get as much content as I can with some of the WWE superstars. Hopefully some other stuff surrounding the week. Go check it out. Interviews with Charlotte Flair, Trish Stratus are up now. Um, check out the Malachi Black one from a while back. That's uh, That was he grew up in like a cult. That was super interesting. Anywho, um, <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, Tempest, where can the people find your lovely masked face? Uh, you can find me a bunch of different places, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at TempestWT. On Instagram, it's at TempestLikesWrestling. On YouTube, of course, I am one of many part of the cast over at the Wrestle Talk. So you can follow the Wrestle Talk YouTube channel and all of its family of channels, whether that be Wrestle Talk Podcast or the channel that I run, that being Parts Fun Known. We've got lots of WrestleMania content out this month, as well as other maybe a couple episodes of Survival Series dropping very, very soon. So it is as good a time as ever Parts Fun Known, including our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wrestle Talk. Steve Larson, uh, how you guys yeah. usually split this up? <laughs> Just sort of, just sort of Google Stephen Larson. Yeah, and uh, it'll it. probably be us. <laughs> if you do Stephen Larson going and draw, most likely be us. Almost definitely. Almost definitely. I don't know how many other Stephen Larsons are doing it. Something called going it wrong. Uh, Everything changes all the time. Just Google us. Yeah. Were you guys with your significant others when you started the podcast? Yes. Yes. Okay. What yes. were their first thoughts yes. at the name of that? It's right up there with oral sessions. You know. Oh. It was it would do it was just a, another eye roll from the wife. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we she like we because we our 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 professional career goes way beyond then, and you know she'd come home and we'd usually my house, and so we'd be you know filming some goofy because we used to do little short film intros for our old show, and we'd be in zombie makeup or whatever. She'd come in and just eye roll and mm-hmm. laugh and walk away. That was mm-hmm. been the entirety of our relationship. Yep. Yep. Ended right there. All right, guys, enjoy <laughs> WrestleMania. Enjoy uh, Ring of Honor. Enjoy everything else that's happening this week. Maybe I'll see you at Wally Mania. Who knows? Have a blast. Enjoy it. It's the most magical time of year in pro wrestling. Shout out to Sean Rossap and Fightful Tempest, Steve Larson. I'm Shaq. Have a good day, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.